everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 198, Paradise Lost. Recorded June 28th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joining me this week, as usual, I can't say as always anymore, are your <laughs> mostly stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello, and welcome to life in our Linux, or Linux in our life, or you got your Linux in my things. life. You got your life in oh. my Linux. Oh no! What are we gonna do? <laughs> and welcome, welcome everyone. It's a great, I was gonna say it's great to see you, but it's great to be, it's great for you to hear me there. That's not prideful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's great to be among my public again. So we took a week off unexpectedly. Um, it was Father's Day, and frankly, I just didn't feel like doing a show. I, there's no other explanation to it uh, for it than that. Uh, I got actually there is a little more. My wife was out of town, and I was being single dad, and I depend on my wife taking care of my three rugrats so that I can do this show. Um, she's the unsung hero of Everyday Linux because without her, <laughs> I literally couldn't have done the show. So uh, I was busy yeah. uh, wrang- wrangling the uh, the wild varmints and just wasn't up to doing a show and that. So we're back. Um, but we're, I'm going to be it's what they make again. duct tape for Mark. <laughs> yes. I, I tried just putting them down in front of the TV, but all they ever want to want to watch is Netflix or, uh, Amazon prime. And that doesn't help when I'm trying to do a podcast. So. <laughs> Not usually. Yeah. Um, I did want to say, uh, we're, we're taking some time off. Um, uh, just, just because work schedules are getting crazy. I have, you know, we all have day jobs and my day job is going to require me to work a couple of weekends coming up. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's summer and we're kind of burned out, frankly. I, I'm not going to speak for them. I'm kind of burned out. It happens. I mean, we've been trugging, chugging along here, uh, for 198 episodes. We've taken a couple of breaks in that amount of time and I just need another one. So we're just, this, this show is going to come out July 1st. It'll be the only show in July and we'll come back in August well rested. And I may research even something once in a while. So, uh, yeah, maybe, don't go possibly. Lying, Mark. No I said maybe. You. <laughs> yeah, maybe and allegedly are the two words you can use that, uh, that make everything okay. Is that how that works? Yes. Okay. Now I, I, now I know the rules of the game. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a trope of the news, right? Uh, headline, uh, could Dallas County be falling into the ocean? Of course. <laughs> you know, and, and they, you want you to turn in to find out the answer to that. Of course, the answer is or, right. no. W- what? Watch this video of this man allegedly <laughs> shooting fifteen people at point blank range. Range, you know, yeah. it's like yeah, range. It's a uh, it's a <laughs> long range. So, but you know, I mean, it's like there's the video. The guy did it, but on the news, you're supposed to say allegedly or right. suspect. You know, you can't say here's the guy in the camera who took the cop's gun and shot him. Yeah. As the video will show, you know, then I, all of a sudden he can't get a fair jury. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you got to love or just love stuff. Three-year-old toddler, toddler walks up to homeless man. You won't believe what happens next. Oh my goodness. You're right. I won't You're believe kidding. because I won't be clicking on that link. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> 
Um, so I did want to take some uh, time to review a, get a couple of movie reviews. I, that's why you tune into Everyday Linux for movie reviews, right? That's right. You know, I saw some movies, and I'm going to talk about it, and I've got the mic, and you don't, so deal with it. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I took some daddy time. Um, I had some while my wife was away. Uh, I was at work, um, and I and the kids were here because there's no school. So we had somebody coming in and staying with them. So as long as there was somebody here anyway, and I'm off of work, I'm just going to stop off at Jurassic World on the way home. So <laughs> that's what sure, I did. why not? Um, so I saw Jurassic World. Unfortunately, and I do say unfortunately because it it always ruins it for me. I had to watch it in 3D, um, and it um, it didn't make me sick, so yay for that. I just think 3D is, is just pointless. Uh, so my review of my spoiler-free, as always, review of Jurassic Park is, uh, or Jurassic World, is it's almost as good as Jurassic Park, way better okay. than the other two, which Sharknado was way better than the other two. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Pratt is fine. Um, he does a fine job. The plot is fine. Um, the action is Wait, hold on, fine. hold on. I would say shaky. Wait, wait, wait. What plot? I, I watched the movie. I was waiting for a plot to explain the action, yeah. and I could not find it. Now, I'm not the great movie aficionado you are, so if you could explain to me where in the movie the plot was. Well, the plot is end. dinosaurs break out of cages and eat people. That's the plot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if, if that simplistic definition qualifies for a plot, then okay, there was one in Jurassic World. Yeah, it was just. Um, I would it, call it. It fell weak. victim. Have you seen it, Chris? I saw. I watched parts of it, and then I got pulled away, yeah. so I didn't get to watch all of it. It fell victim to the same problems that every major blockbuster has in the last several years, and that is that it was all action and no plot. Uh, one of the things I liked most about Jurassic World was it weaved a really good narrative. You cared about the characters. Every death meant something. Even the lawyer who got eaten off the pot. You cheered for him because you hated the lawyer, right? Yep. The deaths, the deaths had meaning, and there was, there was, you know, I mean, Jeff Goldblum could have spent less time with his shirt off, but you know, th- yeah, that happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the the movie was good. You cared, you understood what was going on, and you cared about the people, and you were genuine, genuinely scared of the dinosaurs. Uh, that whole uh, water concentric rings in the thing uh, when the T Rex was that was scary. And there wasn't a dinosaur in that. There wasn't any fancy visuals. It was just rings in a glass of water. But you knew what it meant. In Jurassic World, there's none of that. There's none of the suspense of something coming. It's all just right there in your screen in 3D right in front of you. Um, and it's, it's you know, I, I, I liken it to uh, the difference between reading Emily Bronte and reading I Can Read Dick and Jane. Um, <laughs> they, they both get the job done. They both tell a story. Uh, but okay. one is just so much more artfully done than the other. And there was no art in Jurassic World, except for the dinosaurs themselves. Um, more CGI than, and less models than in the first one, but they were they were good. They they were believable. They were solid. You know, there wasn't a point when I said that's not a dinosaur. That's a a rendering of a three D. I mean, intellectually, I knew that, but in the course of the movie, it never took me out of the movie to realize, ooh, that looks fake. So that's positive, mm-hmm. especially in three D when things are kind of fake all the time. Um, it was a fine movie. That's all I got to say about it. It was fine. 
It was fine. a fine visual experience. Yeah. I would not say it was a fine movie. And, you know, really, you could describe the movie and you would not be in any way a spoiler because there's really no plot to give away. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so. I mean, um, big dinosaur breaks out of enclosure, eats people. Um, in the end, and, they get and away from it. humans are stupid. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> some people die. Some people don't die. Um, helicopter flight away from the island at the end. Which is typical for a Jurassic movie <laughs> yeah. anyway. So, meh. But apparently, they know they really knew how to build Jeeps in the 1990s. So, I'm going to be looking for one of those to restore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the gas doesn't spoil. The batteries don't die. They're amazing. You can leave them in storage for 25 years and they crank right up. It's amazing. I know. It's I want to buy one. I'm sure prices are skyrocketing, um, you know, everywhere because of everybody now knows what great quality they are. And now moving to the other end of the spectrum, I also <laughs> saw with my kids Inside Out, Pixar's new uh, movie. Yep. Fantastic movie in, in every way. Good storytelling, yep. good characters, good visuals. You expect that from Pixar. Um, you know, early on, Pixar had a hard time doing people, and so people were... Uh, not in movies at all, or just ancillarily in movies. This yeah, or limited. Yeah. yeah, this one is about people, and most of the main characters uh, are people. Well, it's probably a half and half because they're sort of the 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 imagination people aren't really people, but there's people all over it, and they look good. Um, they're you know they're they're managing to crawl out of the uncanny valley, but really it's a it's an original story, and that how many times yep. can you say that anymore? It's an original Wait, story. What what. What is an original story? I don't understand those two words <laughs> in the context of a movie. Yeah, that sounds about right. No, normal for anymore. I saw it too this weekend, and I was actually I got a little teary eyed when I was watching it. So the I was theater impressed that with it. I saw it in was very dusty, um, and unfortunately, yep, it made my eyes it. water terribly, uh, especially there <laughs> in the last five or six minutes. Um, yep. Yeah. If you if you love somebody, you're gonna cry in this movie. Mm -hmm. that you don't have to be a parent you don't have to be if you have if you have feelings otherwise if you're anything other than a 15 year old boy you're really gonna love this movie uh, and you're uh, probably I, gonna cry i think my 15 year old boy still cried he won't admit to it but he was doing an awful lot of rubbing of his under eye yeah, the, a the, lot the contacts got a little dry yep, yeah that's it the, but he doesn't have contacts, so that doesn't quite work either. But anyway, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that uh, I get in dusty theaters. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen uh, uh, How to Train Your Dragon two like four times now. I still yep. cry every time I watch that movie. But that's a good movie, right? When when yep. a, when a character suffers, and, and it, you feel that suffering you. in a personal yep. way. That's what storytelling is supposed to be, whatever the medium, whether it's audio or visual or textual, that's, that's powerful. Um, yep. and I'm with you. It's, it's good. It, it just doesn't happen very often. I have read many, many books, listened to books, whatever, where people died all over the place. People suffered thing, things happened and it didn't move me in any way. I just finished, uh, Seth on your recommendation. I'm in, uh, uh, just finished book two of the Troy Rising series, uh, by John Ringo. Good books. I'm enjoying them. But at not any point did I feel emotionally moved based on something that happened for the characters. There were a couple of times I went, yeah, that's cool. Um, but, you know, it's a whole different kind of storytelling that can, can, can move me like that. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that a kid's movie 
of animated characters did it because that's what I want. That's why I go to theaters. Right. I was, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat with a couple of books that I, I've been really tied to. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, one, one of the books that moved me most recently, wow. One of the books that moved me most comma recently was, um, Abe Lincoln vampire hunter. You wouldn't expect that out of that movie, but it's got some really? really or the book. It's got some really touching moments in it. Not the movie, the book. The book, yeah. I, I didn't. No, I. I'm not with you on the book on that one. <laughs> nope. No, th- there was no dusty enough theater for me on that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the the movie was hilarious, but the book. Yeah, there the were movie a was funny. That I really felt. I mean, I didn't cry. That I remember, but I definitely felt emotional attachment. Uh, anyway. Um. <laughs> uh, also, tangentially related, I watched a documentary today called Killing Lincoln, uh, narrated by Tom Hanks. Um, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Really, Interesting. Really high quality. Um, I mean, it's high quality as far as documentaries go. It, you, there's, there, of course, they reenact things, and the, the drama is, is high school theatrical play type drama, but you expect that in a, in a documentary. But uh, mm-hmm. right, anyway, if you're into that sort of thing, check it out, Killing Lincoln. Interesting. Yeah, okay. All right, last thing I have to say to the audience, give it up with the Stallman emails, right? I'm 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 just not even going to respond to him anymore. There's too many of them. Yes, we said some nasty things about what Stallman believes. Yes, he and I disagree fundamentally. I don't need you to defend him. I understand his position. No, I didn't misquote him. I read his article word for word and then I responded to his article. Stop sending me emails. Do you really think that's going to help? <laughs> Mark, you, they, you just proved to them they're right and they're getting to you. So if you take the um, fanboy translation of what you just said, we're getting to him, guys. Let's pile it on now. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately. <laughs> His defenses are weakening. <laughs> Throw some more Spectre, Spectre missiles at him. So I uh, we have quite a bit of comments about uh, the whole Reddit kerfuffle that we'll read a little later on. Uh but uh Chris you uh you have found some some good old cartoons? I did. Back from my childhood actually. Um we have in my town we have a little site that on Facebook that they do for you know new and like new or used material that people want to sell, right? Every most right. most towns have it. But uh somebody was selling off their collection of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and the original Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon series. I I didn't know either of those existed. Yes, yes, they do. And they were back, you know, they they were when I was in high school or in junior junior high elementary and I would run home every day to watch them. Uh so they're the complete season or the complete set of both cartoon series. So it's like Oh my goodness, I can, and what's really funny is my six-year-old, or she's seven now, has found out that these are absolutely hilarious to her, and she will watch them 50, 60 times each episode, and then beg for more. So, I think it's kind of funny that my daughter, who is, you know, never played a Mario game ever, but is willing to sit down and watch the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, and, uh... Yeah, it's kind of fun. I enjoy it. Okay. 
And, uh, and cool. Seth, you've been watching something as well, but a very different sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, I came across this and I actually watched it Saturday night. It is called Mr. Robot and I only saw the first episode, so I don't know how well I'm going to like it, but it seems to be kind of centered around this guy who is a tech at a cybersecurity company. And, uh, you know, of course, granted, they take some licenses for TV, but they seem to treat the tech, um, pretty authentically. And, you know, they, uh, not like a CSI level treatment of computer technology, but something closer to real life. And it was an interesting story. And it's kind of this loner guy and he has like an antisocial disorder kind of thing. And, uh, Anyway, it was just neat watching. And so, uh, if you're into being a geek, which uh, there's probably a high correlation of the show's <laughs> listeners and geeks, check out Mr. Robot. And, uh, it, it comes on USA Network. I actually, um, I missed it because of, uh, I was watching Dragon Ball Z. I missed the first part. So it came on later on CNBC. <laughs> And I was able to catch it all then. And you could judge me if you want. I love DBZ. I, so, uh, according to USA Networks, um, Mr. Robot is a psychological thriller that follows a young programmer who works as a cybersecurity engineer by day and vigilante hacker by night. Mwahaha. Apparently there's three episodes out. It's evidently Batman for cyber nerds. I, what does vigilante hacker even mean? Um, I, I, I literally, that's a serious question. What does that even mean? Um, you, well, you take down terrorist websites. Well, no, like, uh, yes. the show started off in the first, he goes into this coffee shop and he found the owner and then he, he just kind of sits in front of the owner and talks to him and says, Hey, I didn't realize you had like three terabytes of kitty porn on your servers and, uh, basically handed him this folder with it. And when he got up to leave, he said, Oh, and by the way, I normally do this online, but I wanted to do this in real life. I've tipped off the cops and you see the police coming up. So that's kind of like, okay, that's the vigilante hacker type guy um so you know like i say i've only seen one episode but it was it makes me want to look for the second one and follow it and see what it'll be like i'm i'm I'm, my judgmental vein is is throbbing here in in the the side of my neck um because somebody's gonna see this and think oh that's a cool thing but here's the thing okay you you found a, a kitty porn stash and you called the cops but you had to break into some random guy's computer to know that. So first you're committing a crime and then you find a crime. So I guess that's where the word vigilante comes in, right? So vigilante by definition means criminal. So yep. I don't know. I just, I think it sends a bad message, but I've, I've said the same thing about Batman, right? It sends a bad message and my audience disagreed. Batman in fact called and told me <laughs> uh, that I was wrong. <laughs> Actually, the way he found it is because he has an exit node for the Tor network. And he was just, um, he was just being a man in the middle on traffic that crossed through his exit node. And then he was able to trace it back from there. So that's, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, it, it like I say, interesting. It, it just looked cool. So we'll, yeah, I'll, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's, it just bothers me that, that, uh, that's cool now. That's so cool that USA did a TV show, breaking into other people's stuff in the name of good is, mm-hmm. is a thing. That's what bothers me. But then again, I'm a you know I'm a judgmental jerk, so I understand. <laughs> At least according to the strangers on the internet. Yes, and and you're working on f- 
completely cutting the cord and going all digital, right, Chris? Yes, sir. Um, we've actually have cut the cord. Um, we do not have any form of cable TV in my house at the moment. So all of our media that we consume is now coming straight from the internet. That explains why your kids are pretending to be okay with the Super Mario show. They don't have oh, any other no. choice. They, <laughs> this was before the cutting of the cord, actually. <laughs> so the, uh, the funny thing is about that is we actually sat down. Um, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, we're starting our, the whole house buying process. And so we're looking at our bills to see, you know, where can we trim some fat to make sure we have enough extra money laying around so we can do the things we want to do down the road. And so we looked at, you know, every bill and we looked down and I looked at my wife and I go, when was the last time you actually watched something from DirecTV? And she goes, I couldn't tell. And I go, I can tell you when the last time I watched something. It was two months ago because it was, there was this special on TV that I wanted to watch. Haven't turned the TV on since to watch something from direct TV. And so we looked at it and my, my son doesn't watch TV. My daughter only watches stuff from Hulu or my Plex server. So it's like, well, why are we spending $150 a month for something we don't use? So we cut the cord. We told them to take their stuff back. Um, now we have our variety, we have, uh, what is it? Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. So, and we, we had those before, so we're not losing anything there. It's just going to be interesting to see if we can stay cord cut or if we end up getting pulled back into it for whatever reason. Um, and of course, Hulu is making a bold business move by dropping the plus from its name. So now there's Hulu that you pay for and Hulu that you don't. So yep. buy Hulu because it's better than Hulu. Hulu. Because um, <laughs> free Hulu yeah. sucks and paid Hulu doesn't. But you still have to get the ads right. all over your Hulu, which I, I guess I can understand that they want to make up a little more revenue for being... No, I don't even think that's it at all. I think it's no, a stupid. I can't. I, <laughs> I can't even say that. I think it's a a, a bargaining a requirement, right? If you're gonna, it's so that they cannot be a cable company. They can they can be treated like a TV station because they only show you your local stuff, right? And when they show you your local stuff, it even has the logo bug from your local ABC affiliates there, and then they show you ads. Uh, so I think that's the way they get around it, is so that they're not going to get aerioed. Um, and not be considered be. Uh, a cable company. So they, they have to do that, which is, you know, I guess if it gets you your stuff, that's fine. But, uh, you know, I find it just in, unacceptable to charge me for a service and then make me see ads. If I'm going to see ads, just stick more ads in, you know? Right. And I'm fine with that. Or let the people that want to pay for it pay for it and then get the an ad-free experience. But I don't think that's an option. That's what I'm saying. I think legally they can't yeah. give you an ad-free experience. I don't think they can either, but I wish they could. I mean, I'd even pay a little bit more. You know, I don't remember what it is for a monthly fee right now for it. For it's like eight bucks the, a month. Yeah, something like that. But if they could say, you know, hey, here's a, a ad-free version for $15 a month, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And this this actually really ties in very well with the topic of, of the week, uh, Paradise Laws, which is uh, based on an article from uh, Ars Technica, uh, Is the Internet a Failed Utopia? Um, so we're we're talking about this now, right? The um, the things yeah. that we don't like. Uh, if you had told nineteen uh, year old me that this burgeoning internet thing um, would uh, someday allow me to to live stream 
uh, television and radio right to my home that that you've, that there would be a Roku device, there would be a service called Netflix. I would have thought this is amazing. This is digital utopia. Now that I'm here, I'm whining about it because you know I have to see ads and and I don't have mm-hmm. the full. I don't get the the live catalog. I have to wait a season before it comes to Netflix. So yeah, <laughs> we'll just talk about whether it's a a, a a failed utopia or not, or maybe we're just more whiny than normal. Um, Get off not- my glass. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's do some listener feedback. Uh, Mark, not me, uh, comments on transitioning out of tech. And and I, I put his, I had a couple of responses to this, but this one I thought was interesting uh, and I wanted to discuss it. He said, I'm sorry to be a wet blanket, blanket, but leaving education for the tech world is very tough. I tried it and I was not successful. I was told off the record unofficially that everyone in education is lazy. They work short hours, get a lot of holidays and a summer break. And worse, they're union people. None of these fit with technology or the corporate world. I know none of you would agree with that stereotype, but it's prevalent. Seth uh, has a right, stay in education, but transition to tech. So um, my experience is not that at all. But I come from Texas, where unions are illegal. Uh, so uh, uh, that, I mean, that doesn't apply to me at all. Uh, and maybe maybe it does apply to other people chris well, you're you're in a more union friendly environment though not terribly just more so than texas uh, did, have you heard these this assessment of education folk not as the lazy um i i get the the short hours and a lot of holiday and summer breaks because that does come up a lot when you're talking to teachers especially um but a lot of people don't realize that most of the time, because teachers' salaries are so low, they end up working through the summer anyway at a part-time job. Right. At least in my area, they are. Well, teachers, um, I, you know, I'm going to stop you there. Teachers actually are paid very well for 10 months of work. They, mm-hmm. they really are. If you look at a, at a teacher's salary uh, for 10 months of work, they, it's quite reasonable um, in, in all 50 states. You, but you just have to remember that they're only paid for 10 months. They're not paid for 12 months. So they right. aggr- they they amortize the tw- ten month payments over twelve months, which results in twelve fairly meager paychecks. But I've I've had teachers, you know, and and remember I I worked in education. My wife was a teacher uh, for twenty plus years, so I, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Uh, that the the money that teachers make for the number of days, number of hours that they they work at the office or at the school uh, is is quite reasonable. So the next thing a teacher will say is, well, I do tons of work outside the the school once i get home so does everybody else suck it up there's no such yep. thing as a 40-hour work week uh just it, once you get past that and admit that yes i mean everybody works when they get home or everybody stays late and goes in early if you don't you have a mick job uh and you're only making seven dollars an hour uh once you get past that teachers actually have a fine salary and so i i just don't i don't like it when people say teachers don't get paid um much I, I, I could get behind the statement that teachers don't get paid enough because I think for the importance of their job, they were not paid yeah. enough. But in terms of across the board with other salaries of college, you know, four-year degree people, they fit right in there. Well, I agree with that when, to some extent. Um, I know, at least in Montana, the, the requirements for being a teacher is now a master's degree or better. So that's a little higher of a a standing point for that stuff. But it, it's it's an interesting thing when you start looking at um, the demands upon a teacher, not just as a teacher, but as a role model that 
I think they should, they, and I agree with you, Mark, that that their pace should be higher. Um, and I wish that they could have a little bit better all around coverage for those things. Um, but, um, as far as being lazy, I don't think teachers or any of the staff in the school district are ever lazy. Uh, I've never seen people work harder during the summer. Well, and and Mark says that we would disagree with that. I I was just, yeah. Mark says that we would disagree with it. And of course we do, but the, the, I was just wondering if you'd ever heard that. Seth, have you ever heard those words? Uh, no, I haven't. But like one of the things when I went into education and when I was considering education versus a job in the corporate world, I realized, hey, I'm, I'm okay with a lower salary because I get a lot more time off, you know, and whenever I factored what I made versus the time off I had, it turned out to be really good. So, you know, it's one of those. I've never heard that, you know, nobody, when I was applying for jobs outside of tech, nobody was ever, oh, you were in education. You know, if you come here, you're going to have to do real work. I never heard that. So. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, I'm not saying you didn't hear that. I'm just saying that's news to me. Uh, I've, I, I have not had the experience of people thinking that everybody in education is lazy. So maybe the guy who told you that was you know maybe he thought that or maybe the the one that area geographically where you were they think that but based on my experience and 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 that's all i can base it on is my experience i don't think that's a common thing i don't think um that making the jump from education to out of education will be hampered by the fact that people think you're lazy um I, I just, no there, there could be other things though I, I just don't think that. that doesn't make sense to me yeah yeah, people Go think ahead, I'm lazy because I'm lazy. I'm say that so. I can think of. <laughs> yeah, there might be other reasons that person has said that, but not as a global position. I don't. I think that's more of a local thing. All right. So moving on, uh, we have uh, Jonathan uh, make some comments on Reddit. He uh, says, "Mark, I enjoyed your discussion of the recent Reddit drama surrounding the ban of R slash Fat People Hate, and I agree with you with hundred percent about Reddit having the right to ban whomever." It wants. He said, whoever. I'm pretentious. I said, whomever. However, I think that Reddit's decisions have put them in a very tough place. When you run a public forum, uh, you have a few different levels of moderation to pick from. One, no moderation. This will get you rated by the FBI for illegal pornography and gambling. Two, banning illegal content but allowing everything else. This is probably the best practical option as you have a nice clear line with little room for controversy over moderating decisions. Uh, Three, banning everything distasteful. This is noble, a noble goal and would probably make Reddit a better place, but it requires constant vigilance and probably more human intervention than a massive site like Reddit can afford. It's probably only suitable for child-targeted websites. Unfortunately, Reddit seems to have picked the worst option for ban some, but not all, distasteful things arbitrarily. I might take umbrage with arbitrary, but let's continue. The bad consequences of this choice have already appeared. The post announcing that fat people hate uh, ban was full of comments saying, what about X? What about Y? Reddit has many disgusting communities celebrating racism, domestic violence, illegal drug use, etc. Banning some subreddits gives implicit approval of the ones that are left. Banning them piecemeal just ensures that at any given moment, the Reddit front page is full of backlash from the last banning and that every news story about Reddit is about its worst side. Reddit has many good communities, but someone 
but someone whose only exposure is through the external coverage will inevitably associate Reddit with racist, bigoted, and otherwise terrible communities which are being banned. This could be worse for Reddit as a whole than just letting those hateful communities fester on their own. Love the podcast, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I right on, Jonathan. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, he hit the nail pretty much on the head. I would say. You know, I don't see anything wrong with what he the way he worded that out. Yeah, the the yeah. thing is, the the internet is full of of trolls. You, this may be news to you, but uh, wait, there are trolls whoa, whoa, we're gonna need to talk oh. about that. Yeah, it's it's true, <laughs> Seth. There are in fact uh, bad people on the and internet. there's lots of them. There's lots of them. Shocked, I'm yeah. shocked and amazed. Yeah, the internet is the world, right? And it's the world without a lot of the filters. Um, you know, polite society imposes filters. The internet removes a lot of the filters that polite society puts on. So you get people at their best and at their worst. So yes, well, I agree you, that where Reddit has put themselves. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Seth. No, I was going to say, you know, a lot of times you, from my experience and maybe my experience is different than everybody else's when people go out in public or when people go outside they tend to be a little more courteous than when they're in their house you know it's like but whenever you're on the internet you forget that you're not in your house so you're seeing more of people's true selves and because you know whenever you're out in public you're like you you think to yourself, I really wish I could shoot this stupid driver for going so slow in the wrong lane, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you're not going to like, you're not going to stick your hand out and make a gun and bang, 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 you know, because who knows what would happen if you did that when you're out in public. But people forget when they're online, you know, hey, yeah, they're, they're sitting in their couch in their underwear picking toe jam from between their toes, but they're also in the midst of millions of other people. So that's one of the reasons why it is so much worse on the internet than it is in real life. Yeah, it's not uncommon for, you know, normally reasonable people to lob death threats online. Just because mm-hmm. they're online and they think that the rules of society don't apply. Right. Um, so I, I don't know that I agree with your assessment, Seth, that you see people as they really are. I think um, you see people as they're afraid often to be, um, you know, and, and those people wouldn't want to live like that day to day. They would see the pain. They would see the hurt. They would see the consequences. But uh, online, they're shielded from that. So it's not who they really are. It's who they can be when they don't see the consequences of it. Okay, I. That's a uh, good way to say it. Ha- having said that, thank you. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I sponsor myself. Uh, I sponsor myself. I pride myself on talking good. I I talk good someday. <laughs> um, so the I would agree though that Reddit and 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 me myself, uh, my website, I have chosen that option for ban stuff I don't like, um, and that's. That's a slippery slippery slope. I get that. But I think the problem is that Reddit, I started from the standpoint of being a benevolent dictator. This is my site. You get to be here when I, as long as I feel like it. Um, Reddit started as the wild, wild west and then tried to bring in the law. Yep. Um, and that's the problem. That's where you get shoot, uh, shootouts at sundown uh, because um, or other people, 
you can't it's it's not that you can't it's much more difficult to impose pose rules once anarchy is already uh institutionalized pretty much yep i mean what do you think would happen if fortran fortran decided to start regulating things uh specifically the b board right it it just it wouldn't work it would explode uh, because <laughs> right anarchy is already the rule of the day there so it's never going to get um, you're never going to be able to get that out of the system once the system is built on it. So I yeah. think Reddit is, uh, as as Jonathan says, put themselves in the worst possible position. Uh, Chris, another Chris, not our Chris, also weighs in on Reddit. He says, hey, guys, I don't usually take the time to email any of the podcasts I listen to, but, but your discussion on stuff going on at Reddit compelled me to finally do so. First, well, let me say that this is literally the first episode I've listened to, so I'm not sure of everyone's names yet. <laughs> wow. Jumping right in there with both feet, Chris. I agree with the person who took the side of Reddit in this episode. That would be me. I think his analogies were spot on. Well, of course. I'm sorry. And I didn't have any problem with how he vehemently argued his point. Uh, Chris, you'll understand later on that I do everything vehemently, um, especially since the other side is equally vehement, if not more. I'm a huge fan of free speech, and the freedom that allows a person to say stupid things is the same freedom that allows me to criticize it. It's a beautiful thing. And I will say a lot of people have a misconception about free speech, however. And you're, what you're about to say, we've said on the show many times before. The only thing that freedom of speech guarantees you is that the government can't arrest you for saying the things you say. Although, as, as I'm sure you're aware, there are a few exceptions to this. That doesn't mean that you have the right, as, an, uh, as, in an, as in this argument, to take up space on someone else's server to say whatever you want. The owner doesn't like what you're saying. They're within their rights to boot, boot you from it. And the same thing with pretty much every other medium, TV, radio, etc. If a network feels that your public views aren't in line with theirs, they have the right to remove you from the lineup. All things equal, not considering any contractual problems that might arise from suddenly taking someone off the air. Anyway, just wanted to say that I love the show from what I've heard so far and will continue to listen. Thanks for taking the time to read, hopefully, this, Chris. Uh, Chris, spot on. Uh, Everything you've said there is pretty much stuff we've said before. We're big believers in um, the freedom to express yourself and the freedom of others not to have to listen to you express yourself. (laughs) Pretty much. Because that's how we treat our show in our forums and yeah that's kind of the way we live yeah um and by the way i'm mark that's chris he's seth uh welcome to the show uh, maybe we and should... then joe uh in a very i'm sorry go ahead I was, gonna, I was gonna say maybe one of these times we should actually go you know hi i'm chris just so anybody new will uh get to hear our voice and the name that goes with that voice just because well you just did I know. <laughs> um, and well, Joe, uh, again, another Reddit thing. Um, he just simply sent us uh, the uh, the relevant parts of the Reddit user agreement. It says in, re- in, in podcast number 197 titled, So Say We All, there was a discussion about the terms of Reddit. I just think uh, I'd just like to link you to the actual terms. Reddit.com slash help slash user agreement. And especially the relevant bit, quote, without advance notice at any time, we may, for violations of this agreement or any other reason we choose, that's important, suspend your access to Reddit, uh, suspend or terminate your account or Reddit Gold membership and or remove you, uh, remove any of your user content from Reddit. So that little clause there, any other reason we choose, puts them in the benevolent dictator category. We can do what we want for any reasons without notice. Uh, So they're covered legally. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a crap storm about it. Yeah, and I was 
you this isn't linked to off the homepage. That's why I was reading from the rules because the rules were linked to off the homepage. I was looking for the user agreement, but couldn't find it readily. Um, so thank you for sharing it out to us. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, not having the facts has never stopped us from having a conversation before, but it's nice to go back afterwards and have the facts. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and that's it for the uh, the the disc- the listener feedback part of the show. Now let's jump into the discussion, which I think all this Reddit thing is is perfect. It's a perfect tie into is the internet a failed utopia? Vanity Fair had a a thing. Uh, a town hall, um, and uh, they asked that question. There was a whole discussion about it. Um, go read the article that we'll link to if you care about it. But I want to answer that question on this show. Seth, is the Internet a failed utopia? Well, if you go by the definition of utopia as being a real or imaginary society, place, state, considered to be perfect or ideal, then, yes, the Internet is a failed utopia. Because I don't think anyone. I you see. But, here's but the wait, thing. wait, wait, Just wait, wait. Okay. Doesn't that? If you call it a failed utopia, don't you have to first assert that it was a utopia? I don't think it's ever been that. But that was the promise of it. Okay. I don't ever remember that being a promise, but I remember it being it, said that we'd have a better place to you know voice our opinions and do whatever we wanted on TV, but or TV on internet, but. uh I don't think it was ever cons- could was going to be the utopia of mankind. Well, if anything, you know, if that's if, could... if if utopia is 4chan, then I'm I'm sorry, I don't want utopia. <laughs> <laughs> no one would. Well, obviously, some people would want it, but I don't. A lot of people wouldn't. So don't disagree with that. To, but you to, know, or go ahead. To go all Agent Smith from the Matrix, could humans exist in a utopia? Would the fact I. I'm going to answer the question I just asked. I think that the moment you put a human in utopia, it becomes dystopia. Um, I, I don't believe that we're viruses, like Agent Smith said, but I do believe that we cannot handle, we are genetically dispossessed of the ability to be in a utopian environment. And I'm going to fall back on my fundamental religious beliefs here and say that we proved that. God put us in a utopia in the Garden of Eden, and humanity cho- showed that we can't exist in that environment. We're going to screw it up. Now, you don't necessarily have to believe what I believe about the Garden of Eden and the, the creator, uh, creator God, but that let's call it a myth. That myth exists to tell the story of the fact that humans screw things up. That's the one thing you can count on. Humans will do two things. They will multiply, they will screw things up. Which Usually at the same the time. Defini- they will multiplicatively def- screw things up. And it's the definition. Ahead, Chris, sorry, how, I was gonna say it, it's the way. That's the reason that Agent Smith, dec- you know, decreed that we are viruses, is that we multiply and screw things up. So, if you go that way, uh, I could see his point. <laughs> What's funny is a uh, a long time ago, it, with that thought in mind, I always wanted, I always thought it'd be neat to get tattooed of the radioactive and biohazard symbol on my legs because mankind walk wherever they go, they poison everything just kind of one of those moments of darkness I had, but I, I think that the uh, utopia is definitely, but you know, the other thing, the other problem is, and it's brought up in the article later is it's also kind of a loaded question because it, like you pointed out, Mark, was it really utopia? 
you know, it started out on um, maybe not utopian, but c- certainly very happy-go-lucky, jolly, all is well ideals. Right there were there were almost no identification protocols, certainly no verification protocols. Anytime we were mm-hmm. verifying something, it was verifying did you get the message. You weren't verifying who it came from. The whole system was built with a sense of openness, which is kind of crazy right. since it was built by the Department of Defense. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've talked about it many times on this show. The default, when the troubleshooting uh, default is everything open, right? Mm-hmm. And they were constantly in the mode of troubleshooting. And and if you don't have security, if you don't have checks, if you don't sanitize your inputs, it's easier to, to just make sure stuff is working. So, yes, the Internet was built... Um, and designed as an open and trusting system, but I don't think I don't think Utopia was ever the promise of it, in my opinion. But I don't think so either. I mean, it's a it was a great thought. It was um, an ex- I would say it was a good experiment because that's what I feel like at this it that the the internet was. It was just a a really crazy experiment that just kind of went wild and lot you know we lost control over it. Because it was so volatile and such a game changer for everything we know that we knew back then. The uh, the, the the human condition is one of of entropy and chaos. We we create destruction just by being. Um, again, falling back on my Christian beliefs here that that what what the Christian um. Uh, religion refers to that as the total depravity of man. Whether you believe it's a fact or just an allegory, the 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 reality is that that everybody recommend uh, recognizes after a certain age that without exception people suck. That's one of my that's one of Cockrell's <laughs> basic rules of life. Without exception, people suck. That means me too. Without exception, people suck. I'm a yep. people. I suck. At and and at some time. In t- in, at some point in time, I'm going to be a total dirtbag idiot. Um, maybe intentionally, maybe not. Um, but I think that once you take a a a an, a broken system and put it into an unbroken system, it's just a matter of time until it's broken. Uh, so, the, is the internet a failed utopia? It's if it was ever trying to be a utopia, yes, it certainly failed at that goal. But it's still a pretty amazing thing. And, and you know, we talk about the Internet now. Uh, really, th- th- there's a convergence of all things technical, right? Where the mm-hmm. Internet touches everything now. So you could, you, you don't really, I think you could even drop the, the term technology uh, or the Internet and just say technology. Is the promise of technology unfulfilled? That's a better question, right? The promise of yeah. technology has always been to make things better, faster, easier for humans. Have we failed in that. So let's turn the question around a little bit. I was reading an article a while back. See, I told you I need to do research to, to pontificate. <laughs> I was reading an article a while back that was written in the 50s, uh, and it was predictions about the year 2000. And it was by the year 2000, um, the average businessman will, will need to work more, no more than 20 hours a week. And, <laughs> and, you know, we all, and I just complained about the myth of the 40-hour work week. But let's go back to what a businessman did in 1950. Can we do that in 20 hours? Heck yeah. We can do that in 10 hours. Yeah. So they were, they were right. But the trouble is the expectations change. You can do more. Therefore you must do more. 
um, you know, when, when you look at what you can do with uh, a cheap tablet and a word processing document and a laser printer, you can produce what a typesetter in 1950 would have spent a month on in about an afternoon. Yeah. That, so that's really crazy when you think about that too. So I think the problem is that we're we're never there. We're never we never look at there and say we've reached it. Wherever you go, there's always another mountain. So I was just complaining about the fact that you know I'm I'm going to be working uh, long hours, going to be working weekends. I, you know I, I I my my typical work week is more than forty hours. Right. I never, I never just work 40 hours, or rarely, I should say, just work yeah. 40 hours. And I'm not saying that, that, oh, poor pity on me. That, that's just called being a person, being an American. Maybe, maybe not in other countries, but certainly the American middle class, uh, we all work way more than 40 hours. Um, oh, but yeah. we're doing the amount of work we're doing. I, you know, I can create a spreadsheet in, in Excel. Or any other spreadsheets, because that's the amazing. It could be it doesn't have to be Excel; it can be uh, Open Office or whatever that can do years worth of calculations, and I could build that thing in an afternoon. So I could do an accountant's work in 1930 for a year. I can do it in an afternoon. That's utopia, right? When we look at te- technology, that's the kind of stuff you think. Once all of this comes to be. We will be in a utopia. That's the promise of technology. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be faster and better and say, and I'm going to have all this leisure time. What am I going to do with all my time? Because my machines can do everything for me. Unfortunately, you introduced a broken piece into the system, and that's humanity. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Seth? Well, I mean, one, if you were to take the term that all three of us classify as work, and make the year Very good point. 1915 and then you and then somebody who worked in 1915 came and just there was a plexiglass waiting room and they watched what we did they <laughs> at the end of working? the day they would say when are they going to start working because i saw that guy sitting down i saw him typing i saw him talking on the telephone i saw him reading something on this glowing thing I did not see him do one lick of work. So on that sense, you know, you can talk about how awesome technology is because, you know, a lot of that's automation and not so much the Internet because the Internet doesn't build a car. It's some other machine that does. But, you know, at the same token, we are more advanced in some ways, uh, mechanically um, efficient efficiency we are very much advanced on what we could have done in the past but um socio socioeconomically morally ethically we are not advanced and so we still have those problems and unfortunately when i think utopia i think of more of a that sense than you know i can i can sit on my butt watching tv all day in that sense hey maybe the internet is utopia but i don't think it is because it's still people you know flaming and in, and in some ways online it's awful because there isn't that you know we're having a debate there's rules and the structure you're having you know you're saying vanilla is the best i'm saying chocolate is the best and we're friends but on the internet it's you're a flaming idiot yes. and then yes. you're worthy of death because you think my position isn't universally accepted and I mean, it's always been there. It'll always be there as long as there's people, but it's now out in the open where everybody can see it. And 
it's kind of sad. So that's that, that's my thoughts on that. Does that so make is, sense? Is is the promise of technology unfulfilled because the technology failed or because we failed? Uh, maybe where's well, a better way to put it? You, you, we kept moving the goalposts. You know, we yeah, it's a we moving target. Up, we, yeah, we we we. It's hard to call something a failure when we keep redefining the parameters. What right. what is what would be utopia, right? So you look at um, you know some some utopia based science fiction uh, thing. Uh, Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation is as close to a utopia as as you know any sci fi ever gets, right? You can you, yeah. there's no hunger, there's no want, there's there's no uh, no war on Earth anyway. Um, and there's humanity no, there's, and there's no ahead, money. There's, there's no right. money because it's all done by trade. That's yeah. that's the only. F- interesting point of that if, if you're gonna go down that analogy there is no money so there's nobody who owns anything yeah until season seven when they introduced gold pressed platinum and yeah suddenly there was money again but <laughs> partly because of ds9 and the for anyway so uh, roddenberry built essentially a utopia Right. He the, look at the bridge for the original uh, enterprise. It was multinational, multiracial, uh, had all three mm-hmm. genders represented. Um, it was it was a perfect utopia. Everybody got along. One of the one of the great things that I loved about uh, particularly the next generation was no matter how harebrained something was, uh, you know, Jordy comes in and says, uh, "I'm pretty sure I just saw a, a, a hole in space and a, a four legged." rhino beast walk through it everybody in the bridge crew goes let's scan for that nobody says hey you're a nutbag they all believe it so (laughs) again that's utopian because humanity's never going to get there we could get there technologically but if that happens you know that that scene where uh, that episode where dr crusher was caught in a warp bubble and people kept uh, disappearing right Mm-hmm. I, don't roll your eyes, Internet. You know you know what I'm talking about. Um, the whole <laughs> We time, knew what you were episode, talking about. <laughs> the whole episode, every time she said, you know, this isn't right, they all said, okay, let's look into it. Nobody called her a nut. And now, they later, you know, sort of said, maybe maybe we need to look into this. But when she was passionate about it, when she said, no, I believe that, they said, okay, let's open up an investigation. That's a utopian uh, aspect that can never be. No matter how good our technology ever gets, we're never going to love other people that much. We're never going to respect other people that much. That's what I. Think. We can hope for it, though. We can hope for it. That's the and that's the key. I think is that there's there's hope. See, well, Not to and bring that's, Pandora's box into it, but the internet promised something it's incapable of delivering. So it, it can't deliver that's a, good way a transformation. It of someone's self it can make it can make the desires of the body easier to attain but it can't change somebody's inner being if you're a christian you call it soul or spirit if you're you know some other religion you have other terms but the promise of technology has been that we once we get the needs of the flesh taken care of the the in, your inner person this perfect angelic being will then be able to shine through unburdened by the cares of not being able to feed yourself or clothe yourself or good medical care but all we're seeing is no that's not the case it's it's now people aren't well anyway the, you know that's the whole I don't know what we'll call that everyday 
everyday ethics, everyday morality. <laughs> but, uh, so, so is are we ever going to get there? Right, uh, utopian sci-fi is popular. Dystopian sci-fi puts mega mega millions on the uh, at the box office. Humans, yep. uh, you know, Americans anyway. I'm not going to say all humans, but probably all humans seem to be drawn more to. The, the dark side, you know, would would you care about Luke Skywalker without Darth Vader? No. Heck no. Um, yeah. So because the, you need that, you need the, the hero for the uh, the villain to side get the right. villain and the hero, the villain to side get and the you hero. Just, so. If we could, if humanity were capable of utopia, we would have achieved it prior to technological innovation. I think. I think that technology doesn't bring about utopia. Utopia brings about technology. Think of think of all the science and the mathematics and the art that was lost during the Crusades, during the Dark Ages. Uh, you know when when uh, Aristotle was forced to uh, kill himself because his teachings about science and and math were uh, her- heretical for the religious be- beliefs of the day. Yes, I can. I am a religious person. I, I'm a f- person of faith. I'm not a religious person. And I can certainly look at how faith and religion have have held things back at the same time. We would be so much more advanced if it weren't for um, some of the, you know, the choices that humans have made. Uh, So to look to technology to overcome choices, right? The only time you can do that is when you empower the machine to make the choices. And Mm -hmm. we've all seen uh, Terminator. We know how that ends. (laughs) Could could we? I'll be back. <laughs> Kurzweil, uh, Kurtzweil, I think is how he actually says it. Ray Kurzweil, um, um, what once in, in many times in an interview, one of his pat answers is uh, when somebody says, "Does God exist?" His pat answer is not yet, because he believes we're going to create a being as powerful uh, as to be the mythical god. Uh, of hmm. all religions, um, that that at some point the machine will iterate itself, and as machines do, it'll be faster and better and faster and better, and eventually it will be so much beyond hum- its creators, its progenitors, because really it will be the creators will be other machines that it will be analogous to being God. Um, you know, it's an interesting uh, theory, um, but one you would, could see though too, would it? Could we do that? Let's let's say that happens. Would that would that ever happen intentionally? I don't think so. I think it would have to be an accident. I think it would be an oops yep. if a machine ever became both self aware and powerful and able to 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 make the decisions. Because we 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 want to make the decisions, and as long as we make the decisions, utopia is never going to be. Well, the the sad part is you create stuff in your image. And the image of people, I know everybody thinks that they're perfect and it's the rest of the world that's screwed up. But the fact of the matter is we're all pretty screwed up and anything we create is going to be flawed. So I would hate to think of an artificial intelligence that was orders of magnitude faster and more capable of devising things that was as flawed as we are, you know, in terms of. Oh, look, I'm going to make people better. And the way it makes people better is to kill the them faster all. mistakes. And yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> what, you know, technology 
it definitely allows us to make mistakes and to see the, um, see the consequences of our mistakes in some ways much faster than we ever could before. So, yeah, I could, I, I can go with that too. So the, the, I think what we've all decided is the problem isn't technology. The problem is technologists. Ouch. That kind of hurts all of us. <laughs> you know, you could almost say it's not technologists because in the early days of the internet, it was more free and the people were kind of were keeping it nice, but it wasn't until just everybody came aboard. So the problem is people, not technologists. Yeah. There you go. I like that better. That makes me feel better inside. <laughs> if we didn't ruin get, it, darn it, it's the dirty the peasants. <laughs> yeah, think of the internet if you had to get a a logon license. Like, you know, if you, you can't just get on, you can't just go get in a car and drive down the road. I mean, you can, but there are penalties for doing that. But just anyone can log on and do whatever they want. So maybe there needs to be some type of license, uh, you know, I don't know, a terms of service that you have to agree to and that are actually binding. That would be <laughs> yeah. a scary thought. You know, it's like that thing from parenthood. You know, you have to have a license to go hunting or drive a car, but anybody can be a parent. So, yes, that was a very nicely cleaned up <clears throat> version of that. <laughs> well, hey, I, you know, I'm, we're we're sometimes family friendly. <laughs> I'm I'm out of out of gas on this one. Any other thoughts before we move on from this topic? No, I'm all right. No, okay. Um. <laughs> computers good people bad uh, is that the summary um <laughs> me tarzan you jane computers bad um i i don't i don't know um I, well computers are just a tool so they, they are going to reflect whatever it is that is put into them and since people are flawed they reflect the flaws in people yeah that's awful deep there, Seth. I don't know. We, we, we might just lose everybody well, on that's, that one. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I think if it's technically possible, we will create a machine, a conscious machine that is better than humanity um, by a certain standard. And I think we'll find later that, that we made, that it was a problem. Um, you know, I think Skynet is going to, going to happen in some fashion, right? We're going to give our machines too much power. Because we don't trust the humans, and and there's always going to be that wide-eyed idealist um, who says I can make a machine better than people, uh, and it you know, and that's where we get caught and we have Skynet. Yeah, or <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Asimov's three laws sounded like they made perfect sense until you realize that every time every book he wrote was all about how the three laws killed people. Not every yep. book, but but a lot of them. Um, That's how they all boiled down, didn't it? Right. Every, almost every single one of them boiled down to the three laws biting them in the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, people suck, and machines will suck faster and better because people made them. Pretty much. Um, wow. So let's do let's do a little that, bit. That of just news. got dark. Yes. <laughs> Coming up next month on Everyday Depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're gonna need a month off after this one because we're gonna be so right. sad we can't get out of bed um wah, wah, wah. yeah i mean um rick in the chat room uh says that the when we build the the 
the super uh, advanced machine, it will instantly wipe us out. Because why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you cure the earth of the virus that is humans? Um, well, that's what Agent Smith tried to do and see what happened to him. He got taken over by the virus and blown up. Spoiler alert. Come on. <laughs> if they haven't seen it by now, that, years, that's their yeah. problem. Uh, not quite that long. Tw- almost 20, though. Getting close. Uh, so, you know what? Unless you just have something you absolutely want to talk about, Seth, I don't even want to do any news. Because um, this, any, this was fun. It, we've we've you know, we're an hour and almost fifteen minutes. We've done um, a good bit of discussion, <laughs> and I, I feel like anything would be a letdown. Is there anything that you're just totally married to? Well, I tell you what, let's do one kind of feel good news story just okay. to kind of a good. little pick me up here at the end. D- drag uh, us out of dystopia, Seth. Okay, it's the first one here. Uh, I call it Facebook Saves the Day. And this is a restaurateur was able to get on Facebook and warn other people because people would come into his, um, come into his restaurant and leave without paying. But he posted a warning online and another restaurateur was able to catch them. So Facebook helped save um the cleveland area by catching the people who were eating and then running out without paying the bill so yay facebook you saved us all oh so he put a he put the some some guys that are dining dash he put their right. picture on facebook they tried it at another restaurant and they shut them down that that what happened right yes pretty much all right so social cool. media doesn't always suck Right. At least not yet. I'm sure it'll get worse. I'm sure that the <laughs> comments on that post at some point compared him to Hitler and threatened to kill him. Probably. <laughs> you know, you Let's were talking see. about, um, Seth, the, the anonymity thing, to to go right back to where we were. Um, Google Plus decided to have that real name policy, and the internet freaked about it. Um, right. And did it work? Is Google Plus a better place? There were fewer people there. Maybe that maybe it made it a better place by keeping the trolls out to some degree. Well, and the other thing that's funny is even though they've they released their they've backed off the real name policy in Google Plus, nobody went back and changed their name. You know, there's a few that did or added something, but you you scroll through the Google Pluses and I don't see very many people with you know handles. It's all real names. They just didn't go back and change it. I don't think they told people, hey, you can change it. So it's the tyranny of the default. Well, Pretty much. Yeah. But it's interesting how the internet freaked out and everyone jumped up and down and screamed and hollered. But yet, when you have the ability to go back and change it, nobody did. Hmm. And and it, there are definitely trolls on Google+, Plus, by the way, Um <laughs> using their real name i'm i'm in the the moto 360 community for for my watch and and the total inside thing if you don't you probably don't care if you don't have a smart watch but um moto 360 was the last device by a lot to get the latest uh, android update to 5.1.1 um by like weeks after everybody else and so well-intentioned noobs would go to the forum and say, "Anybody have any update when the uh, on when the when it's going to come? Any ETA?" And you know, after the like the seven millionth post of that, uh, people just started getting really mean. At first, it was just no, no, we don't know, no, we don't know. Die, 
die. Um, <laughs> and 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 the 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 trolls came out in full force. Some guy who's just a just just a dude. Do do do, minding his own business. Hey, there's a community for my watch. I wonder if anybody there knows if there's an update coming. Hey guys, anything? And and I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to slit your throat. I'm going to murder your babies. All because a guy asked a question. Um, and yeah, they're definitely trolls on Google Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it just yep. In in fact, what what the moderators and and if anybody in that community is listening to the show, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not saying you made a a bad choice i'm saying you there were unintended consequences of your choice the moderators got so sick of those posts that they deleted them all so then the well-intentioned guy comes in let me do this let me search first and see if anybody's asked this question no apparently nobody's asked it hey anybody have any idea when the update's coming out and the internet tries to kill them uh, so oops unintended consequence of deleting all those annoying posts is now that somebody doing the right thing can't know that the question's been asked Hmm. All right. Just, yep. No follow we, up to we, that. Apparently, no. Because, we're 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 going down the dark hole, and I don't like going down the dark hole. <laughs> just, I don't like see the I don't previous like hundred ninety five episodes. It's not nice. <laughs> we're generally upbeat. We are. So, Seth, uh, what happened this week in history? Let's talk about history. Something cool. All right. June the twenty sixth, nineteen hundred and forty eight. William Shockley files the original patent for the grown junction transistor, the first bipolar junction transistor that happened this week in history, Hmm. 1948. So it was really sad, and then it was really happy, and then it was really sad. Bipolar (laughs) transistor. Pretty much. And if he's not medicated with the proper electrical current, all kinds of bad stuff will happen. (laughs) <laughs> so uh so he, he so goes through many manic people episodes. in this audience yes uh, maybe you Time don't even is- know what a transistor is transistors are the basis of all modern technology and they're essentially a switch that can be triggered by something else right so a transistor can either be on or off but you know like a, a regular switch something has to tell it to be on or off a transistor can be told to be on or off by sending an electrical pulse to it. So it's 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 a three-phase sort of thing. So this bipolar junction transistor was the first time when you could electrify something and flip a switch on or off. Um, and that's what makes the binary world of computers go. If I want something to be zero, I, I dis, don't send current to this. If I want it to be one, I send current to it. And that flips a switch that makes something else happen and flips a switch. And they're all teeny tiny little microscopic switches. Um, Look it up. Look it up sometime if you're interested in at all in electronics. A lot of people are interested in gadgets, but they're not interested in, in what's inside the gadgets. I always needed to know what was in the gadgets. I took apart more toys in my childhood <laughs> than I owned, literally. Yeah, me took too. apart other people's toys. I would, right. I would take something like a broken TV. Mama, can I take this apart? No. Why? It's broken. I can't break it more. I might accidentally <laughs> fix it. Let me take it apart. Um. Because you that already took work. it apart. Yep. Sometimes it my, my parents said, as long as I cleaned up after myself, I didn't. But you know, here's I the thing. Take it apart. In 1948. Oh, Seth said, here's the thing, and then went away. Oh, there he is. No, okay. uh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, in 1948 yes. is when he piled, is when he filed the patent, 
but the first ones weren't grown until 1951. And that was someone named Gordon Teal. And he basically had to build the equipment to grow them himself. So I thought it was pretty cool. There's an article over on computerhistory.org um, that talks about that. So it's pretty cool. I mean, the patent was filed in 48 and then you have 49, 50, 51. That's three years later. And the weird thing is, it's based on techniques from 1917. So the stuff was around, just nobody thought to apply it to electronics. So interesting stuff. This week in history. Hmm. This week in history. And and send us out with a bang, Seth. What do you have this week for uh, our Seth show closing spectacular, as you call it, or as I call it, the opportunity to bring my productivity town so that you look like a better hiring option? Okay. Well, you can thank Jim Beeson for this one. He sent it in and I've been holding it. Um, this is a guff.com 20 bizarre moments in Google autocomplete. So you know how if you're on Google and you start typing something, it will autocomplete kind of in the drop down something for you. <laughs> and then, you know, so like the first one, somebody typed in Americans space T. And one of the options is Americans think Obama is a cat. Actually just snorted. I just snorted. I actually got a snort out of squirrels would taste like ice cream if goats were taller. (laughs) (laughs) Or my cat wants, and then Google auto-completes me to get an abortion. I don't know why your cat would want you to get an abortion. (laughs) Why won't my parakeet eat my diarrhea? So there's an algorithm somewhere that made that happen. And somebody went to a boardroom and said, look at this algorithm. Isn't it cool? Can we implement it? And they all went, yeah, that's awesome. And the result is, why won't my parakeet eat my diarrhea? Awesome, Google. Oh, funny. That's why the Internet will never be a utopia. (laughs) What does that say? How easy it how easy do you think it is to sneak into the zoo? I want I I need to see some penguins like fly right now what (laughs) i hate it when a velociraptor throws bananas on me (laughs) there's just (laughs) how i think rhinos are obese unicorns I'm sure this is scintillating radio listening to us giggle. But oh, yeah, but this, this is, is good stuff. What? Um, Some of these are like, what? <laughs> oh, my, my goodness. I my pants and I like it. <laughs> You're welcome. Help, I accidentally uh, built a community. shelf. <laughs> that was going to last you a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Preserve. Presumably, they're based off factual searches, right? So somebody actually typed that into the system somewhere along the line. Oh, yes. man. <laughs> this is nuts. How, how, how can this work? It's, it's, it's teenage boys gaming the system. No, yeah, well, here's pretty much. It's got to be. This can't be I, real. No, I put in American Space T, and one of the options is Americans think Obama is a cactus. So I verify that that's what, that's what it is. So if you put in that first part, 
that's one of the drop downs. So, right. No, I agree with that, but I think they got there by, you know, some guys gaming the system. Uh, somebody said, Hey, go type this a thousand times in Google. I like to think of Jesus as a mischievous badger. Um, so I think, you know, some of the guys at 4chan set a bot to do that. Could be. Oh, uh, okay. Why can't I be like other girls? Everybody else oh, wait, it went away. Everybody else is able to eat their waffles. But all I can do is put strawberry in or I can smile at it. I'll never be normal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're welcome. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. I, 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 there's no way to transition gracefully out of this. Nope. There's just no way to do it. So, nope. um, and you've lost I will me, say, so. um, <laughs> Chris is broken and he will I'm not broken. be with us for the rest of the show. <laughs> Fortunately, there's not much of the show left. Uh, you've, you've reached the end, dear listener. You've survived yet another episode of EDL. Achievement unlocked. To, to, <laughs> hopefully this one is going to last you a while uh, because as noted if you didn't listen to the beginning of the show well you're probably not listening to the end of the show either uh, but we're going to be taking some time off uh, during the hiatus that's what I'm calling it you are welcome to uh, send us voicemail email, uh, text messages uh, if you can find a phone number uh, <laughs> uh, I guess you could text our Google voice I've never tried it, it might send it would me work. an email uh, it would work go to Go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. That will send me a nicely formatted email that gets priority in my inbox, and I will save that for later. If you'd like your voice to appear right alongside ours, you can call 559-IAMOP. That's a free Google Voice call. Leave us a voicemail. We will probably play it on the air. I'm not going to promise, because if you're talking about Stallman and how I gave him a raw deal, no. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to email us all directly, EDL at elementop.com goes to all three of us. We really loved hearing from you. And uh, don't stop uh, uh, believing. Don't, I'm sorry. Uh, don't stop commenting <laughs> just because we're going to be gone for a while. We'll save those up, and maybe the first show back will be a listener feedback show, a compendium of all the things that we've gotten over the last couple of months. Some of you guys are still listening to, to uh, April episodes and haven't even caught up to this yet. I can tell by the, the content of the email sometimes that they're responding to something a couple of months old. I'm fine with that. Uh, the uh, we, we we like to think of our show as evergreen content. It's always valid. The news stories may be old, but the commentary is still valid. There you Maybe. go. So sometimes, uh, as always, thanks for being a listener. Thanks for being with us, Chris, Seth. Thank you for being the great hosts that you are. And I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Likes. <laughs> <laughs>